Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Bank Statements, part of the Federal Home Loan Bank of Topeka podcast series. I am your host, Trent Meyer, and joining me today, we have two very exciting and knowledgeable guests that will help us dive into the topic of affordable housing, what it is, and ways your institution can access programs to help you serve the needs of your customers. Our first guest is the Federal Home Loan Bank Community Investment Officer, Mr. Tom Thole. Tom joined the bank in 2010, and he oversees the development and implementation of the FHLB affordable housing and community lending efforts. Tom started his banking career back in 1985, and most recently, he was part of the Kansas State Banking Commission, and so his expertise certainly runs very deep in this field. Our second guest is Jane Harrington. Jane also has a wide array of experience in affordable housing, spending time at the city of Arvada, Colorado, the Summit County... County Housing Authority, the Housing and Finance Authority, the Colorado Community Land Trust, where she was actually an executive director, and Mercy Housing. Jane also served two terms on the Federal Home Loan Bank Affordable Housing Advisory Council. And with all this experience, she is the perfect resource for all things related to affordable housing. And we're so excited to have her here as well today. Thank you both for taking the time to join us. I know those were a mouthful for openings. <laughs> Thank you, Trent. <laughs> Thank you, Dred. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you both. So let's just dive right into it. I believe many of our member financial institutions are involved in affordable housing in a variety of ways. And I also think that affordable housing is somewhat broad. It has a lot of avenues and moving parts. So I think it's important to educate our listeners a little more on this and help them develop a deeper understanding. With that said, Tom, could you help us kind of start from the beginning and describe what affordable housing is and the role that the Federal Home Loan Bank of Topeka plays? Sure. Well, affordable housing refers to housing units that are affordable by that section of society whose income is below the median household income of the area. And it's also generally defined as housing on which or for which the occupant pays no more than 30% of their gross income for housing costs, which includes utilities. So that's a, a pretty broad uh, definition. When we talk affordable housing, uh, I mentioned uh, uh, median income. Uh, there are income limits uh, for uh, to meet the definition of affordable. Uh, people also, I think, from time to time would include maybe workforce housing kind of under the umbrella of affordable. Uh, so a, a lot of the population out there that uh, really is uh, impacted by affordable housing. What role does Federal Home Loan Bank play? Well, a bit of history, Federal Home Loan Banks were created in 1932 to support mortgage and community lending. And in 1989, uh, the Federal Home Loan Bank Act was amended to expand the Federal Home Loan Bank's original mission uh, of uh, supporting uh, the mortgage lending and to lower the costs of home ownership. And at that time, the Affordable Housing Program, which we refer to as AHP, was created to uh, play a part in addressing the affordable housing needs. Uh, federal home loan banks, the federal home loan banks contribute 10% of their net earnings to support affordable housing. Now, here at Federal Home Loan Bank Topeka, we have two affordable housing programs. One is our competitive program, uh, the proceeds of which can be used to purchase, rehabilitate, or build affordable rental units, or the money can also be used for down payment and closing cost assistance or owner-occupied rehabilitation 
for single family residences. So a great program. The other program we have is called the Homeownership Set-Aside Program. That program provides grants of up to $5,000 per household for down payment and closing costs to assist first-time homebuyers. Uh, our community investment programs are reduced rate advance programs, and those programs could be used for uh, perhaps the permanent financing in a rental project. Uh, the reduced interest, the savings on the interest, the reduced interest costs could be passed on to developers uh, or uh, home builders in any of a number of ways that that advance could be used to lower the cost of doing business for the recipient of that loan from our member institution. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, it sounds like this topic of affordable housing, as you mentioned, it is very broad. But at the Federal Home Loan Bank, we certainly try to do our part to help out any way we can. In past podcast episodes, we've talked about how the Federal Home Loan Bank of Topeka is a cooperative. And as being part of that cooperative, our members have access to all of these products. And so we certainly encourage our members to use it. And as Tom mentioned, the amount that we're able to give back is directly tied to our earnings. So by using Federal Home Loan Bank, we're able to help people even more from um, that usage that you have. So take advantage of your cooperative from that perspective. And thank you for that you know, high-level overview of what affordable housing is. Jane, as a longtime industry professional and being very involved with this, what does affordable housing look like from your perspective? Well, it's everything. <laughs> it's rental housing. It's for sale housing. It's um, homeless shelters. It's a place where someone can live safely and at affordable price. For young families, I think it's vital that they are able to afford where they live uh, so they can grow their family, grow their careers, get some education at, as you go along the continuum for seniors as they become empty nesters. It's vital for them to be in a safe uh, housing also that they can afford. I have seen single people in, in a, our land trust program that I've seen young singles buy a home and then pretty soon there's a boyfriend or girlfriend, then there's a marriage, then there's children. And, uh, and the owning a home in the land trust can allow them to stay in that unit for as long as their family can fit into it and then move on to the market. But it's, it's vitally important for community, for community development, for the uh, economic health of an area to have modest wage people living and thriving in their communities. Yeah, it absolutely is. It, it, that's very true. Having access to affordable housing is such an important stepping stone to a lot of other aspects of people's lives. And so having that available is very important. You know, Jane, just to change subjects here briefly, you know, in your bio, I mentioned that you served a couple of terms on the Affordable Housing Advisory Council for the Federal yes. Home Loan Bank. What exactly is that? We do call it AHAC. So what exactly is AHAC and what purpose do they serve? Well, I think, I think that it exists to have practitioners um, advise the, the, the board and um, staff on housing communities with uh, housing needs within their area. I remember going through a period at the beginning of each meeting where all of us from all four states would talk about what we see happening in our state on the housing side. 
Um, it used to be kind of fairly dismal, but you know, in terms of not enough money to meet the needs, now it's I'm sure very interesting discussions as as it becomes the the gap between wages and housing costs become wider and more people are needing the assistance. Uh, we've also then had input into certain criteria in the competitive program uh, for rental housing. How do you score the applications? What are the priorities? Is it homeless? Is it just plain vanilla apartments? Is it, you know, how do you, how do you support the rural communities versus the urban communities? So um, a lot of input from practitioners. I changed the Boston around, but. um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's, that's totally fair. And it sounds like it really involves bringing together a group of people with a wide range of knowledge from different areas to really help ensure that the federal home loan bank is getting the most out of its affordable housing programs and helping in the best ways that it can. Now, Tom, this concept of affordable housing, it's certainly been around for quite a while, but how do you feel that affordable housing, maybe the programs or even more generally the landscape has really changed over the, over the years? Sure. Well, the 2021 marks the 20 or the 31st year of the AHP. Okay. Now, there's been some tweaks over the years, and Jane kind of alluded to maybe some of those, uh, but there has not been significant change in, in the program itself. Maybe refinements along the way with respect to points and eligibility and calculations and analysis and those sorts of things, but the, but the real changes have occurred in the landscape, all right? So, you know, uh, wage stagnation. The fact that home prices are increasing at twice the rate of wage growth uh, gives, you know, increases the number of folks that are what are referred to as cost burden, which means they pay more than 30% of their gross income for, for their for housing costs. So uh, that's those two things have had a major issue, uh, as well as uh, what we've seen in the pandemic is that uh, there has been a change in homeownership priorities. You know, there was a time when maybe the millennials were not necessarily willing or wanting to get tied down with home ownership. There seems to be a a little bit of a change in that. So there's more demand for homes. Uh, Telecommuting, you know, is now a possibility. So uh, folks, if folks can work from anywhere, that expands the possibilities as as far as where they can choose to live. And another thing in the landscape, a couple of things that have really changed dramatically is the uh, development or the expansion of support of supportive service housing whether it be for, you know, different populations, this would be for elderly or for sheltered, uh, uh, for abuse, substance abuse, physical abuse, that sort of housing. In addition to uh, homeless, the homeless population is, seems to have exploded. So now there's, that, that's another component of the affordable housing industry. So the, the, the landscape has changed significantly from back in the day. I think Jane used the term plain vanilla. I, I think at its inception, we were talking about affordable rentals or homes for a family, right? Whatever, whatever that is. And even, you know, perhaps that has even changed uh, over, over the, over the years. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that really stuck out to me there was that home prices rising twice the rate of wage growth. That is astronomical. And that coupled with a lot of the other things that you mentioned is certainly presenting its challenges in affordable housing and the availability uh, of affordable housing. Jane, 
earlier, you kind of mentioned this rural versus urban concept. Um, when it comes to affordable housing, could you comment a little bit more on that and, and maybe what Tom just talked about as well? Um, well, um, I think that they're, they're two entirely different markets. I think it's, you know, I mean, each, each housing development or housing program is hard to get started. A lot of bureaucracy from coming from all over the place, a lot of market concerns, local politics concerns, that type of thing. But I think um, in terms of um, sticks and bricks, getting homes delivered to people, the rural area is much, much tougher. Their needs are as great as the percentage of population, but it's a small market. And a lot of, uh, a lot of people don't understand that, that small market. And when you're, so you can do 170 units in Denver and have that filled up, you know, in a week if you've got the staff for it. If you do 160 units in a rural area, that's, that needs to be spread out amongst a variety of communities so that your economies are scale are a little hard to work with. Um, USDA um, has had some wonderful programs for affordable housing, and they've recently been cut back considerably and hoping they're coming back into being, which really helps for the rental um, and the special needs, as well as home ownership for the young families getting started. Um, but it's, yes. it's a, a, a different market. There's more community, um, more positiveness in the rural areas, I think, toward making sure their neighbors are taken care of. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing. And that's going to go a long way in helping with this shortage, which sounds very real in both the rural and the urban communities. Tom, I don't know if you have anything to add to, to Jane's comments there about urban versus rural and the, and the shortages that we're seeing. No, I, I would say she's spot on. There are differences, obviously. Uh, we uh, here at the Federal Home Loan Bank have uh, discussed at length uh, the preservation of existing affordable housing. We, we think that's a big deal. Uh, probably more important to the rural areas than urban areas. Uh, on the other hand, in the urban areas, uh, real estate may come at a premium. You know, so uh, sometimes even though there are economies of scale and you and then the rural or the urban area is uh, not as risky just because of numbers, uh, the development costs can be very high just because of competition. On the other hand, in the rural areas, because, as Jane mentioned, they don't have the critical mass, the economies of scale to attract the big time developers uh, and, and, and investors. They're, they're, they're obviously seen as risky. And so our attitude is that uh, that makes the preservation of whatever affordable housing exists in those com communities, we got we to keep it around because if it goes away, developers are, not, are probably not coming back to your town. You know, like I mentioned, the, there's, it, it, the, the critical mass is not there to substantiate the cost of a low-income low housing tax credit project and uh, investors would be, you know, uh, skeptical about putting large dollars into a, a project in a small town. Just again, it's all an, it's a numbers game, and uh, there's a lot less margin for error uh, in a, in a rural development. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds like that, and there, and there certainly needs to be need to be addressed in both. But it sounds like this preservation of what is there is very important within these rural communities. 
And so I would encourage our listeners, if they're involved in those rural communities, to, to do their part and help out where they can. There's certainly a, a lot of various programs that our member financial institutions can use and, and may already be using in affordable housing. But Jane, with, with all the experience that you've had with some of these, can you comment on the usability of not only the federal home loan bank programs, but affordable housing programs in general, maybe their ease of use, some of the red tape, and, and give our listeners an idea of what they can expect when dealing with that? Well, we have a saying in the business that once in the paperwork equals the weight of the building, you can close and break ground. <laughs> and so these, these projects are um, typically put together from three or four, sometimes five different sources of funding. Um, below market loans to grants. And um, I know at, at uh, and Tom hears this all the time, the cycle, uh, and, and you will, the cycle of the state housing and finance authority tax credit allocations doesn't match sometimes um, the state, the, the, what the, um, the bank is looking at for the AHAC program or that the state division of housing, which gives rates, grants, um, you know, sometimes it just can't match up. Um, and that's the, one of the biggest source of frustrations is trying to keep everybody, keep, trying to keep the tax credit investors, uh, the construction lenders patient as all this paperwork comes together so we can close and break ground. Um, there's strides being made, um, at least in Colorado, with the, with the Division of Housing and the, and the State Housing Finance Authority, uh, which is really good to see. Um, the, um, the investors, be they tax credit investors or construction lenders, I think have become comfortable over the years with the potential for delays because something has to go back to one board one more time or something before that. But it's a patchwork quilt. Um, when I worked up in Summit County, which is a ski resort area, we had put together a program for local uh, people to buy homes. Um, and there are five sources of financing in one house. Wow. Um, forgivable grants, grants, and the mortgage itself. You know, and, and I never thought that until the weight of the building applied to ownership until I worked in home ownership in the resort communities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like that gave you some great experience. And there's a lot yeah. of moving parts, it seems, a lot of boxes to check that can make it a little bit complicated. Yeah. You know, Tom, maybe more specifically from the federal home loan bank side, can you speak to some of those usability comments and some of the some of the remarks that Jane made? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Jane uh, is right, uh, particularly in the development of, of new units and, and in many cases, especially in higher cost areas, the number of sources of funding that you have to utilize to make the project viable or feasible. And so, um, uh, you know, there are, there's, there's no secret. There are strings attached. There's, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, I, I guess the, the advice I would have is be aware of the compliance and reporting requirements of the program that you're applying for before you ever submit the application. Right. Uh, right. And if it, if it's possible, uh, try to, you know, use sources that where the, where the compliance and reporting requirements sort of align. Uh, now, I mentioned earlier that the, the program hasn't changed significantly in the past 31 years, but one change that did happen uh, as a result of the recent refresh of the AHP regulation is that in addition to being able to defer 
to the issuers of the low-income housing tax credits for the monitoring of low-income housing tax projects, we can now also do the same thing for certain pro- projects funded by HUD and USDA. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of those HUD and USDA projects in our in our district, but uh, that will lighten the load somewhere somewhat. And we we continue to uh, seek ways uh, to make the reporting reporting requirements less onerous. I think yeah, that- and that's the you know that's the best that we can do from that perspective. But I've heard both of you comment on such a variety of sources and so many different sources that are even used on one project. So there's definitely a lot of a lot of availability out there for people that are looking to get involved. Um, even though the red tape may be a lot, it sounds like the benefits are worth it in the end. You know, just to kind of start wrapping things up here, Tom, for our listeners that are wanting to get involved or stay involved with affordable housing, what's one piece of advice that you would have them take away from this conversation? Sure. Well, uh, I'll my one piece might turn into several littler pieces, but... <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I would suggest know your market, okay? Know your market, identify your need, uh, then do your research. Find out what programs are out there and how they work for you or how they can work for you. And better yet, once you've identified those programs and you've had a chance to read about them, in our case, it would be our implementation plan, uh, take the time to talk to someone on the inside that actually administers those programs. In our case, talk to Mike Borcher, who is our director of uh, affordable of the affordable housing programs. They can give you some real good technical direction and, and advice as to what you're you know about to get, get yourself into. Uh, another thing is uh, assemble a team that has the skill sets that you're going to need to prepare the application, to uh, quantify the need. Uh, to scope the project and then have the wherewithal to put the grant application together and also to administer the thing once it's completed. So, I mean, there's uh, uh, these things that Jane mentioned, I mean, they're, they're, they take a lot of time, uh, a lot of thought, a lot of energy, uh, a lot, lot of intellect. And so uh, the more that you can do before you ever embark on your pursuit of a of, of available affordable housing grant, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, certainly. That's that's great advice. And Jane, with your knowledge of the industry, and you've been directly involved with some of these projects, to my understanding, what would be some advice that you would leave with our listeners? Well, if somebody's uh, getting to look into the business, uh, Tom really laid it out very well. Um, but to add some, some complexion to that is that get to know the people doing it, um, who you know, who, who the other developers who have been successful, the other nonprofits, housing authorities. Um, we have a statewide organization called Housing Colorado, um, which Tom has attended in the past, where up to 500 practitioners get together. Um, and lots of workshops, lots of uh, educational opportunities throughout the year. Um, as we've moved into a more service laden approach to housing, um, they've done a lot of work on topics of services for how do you incorporate homeless um, or um, special needs um, into into uh, housing. Um, it's a new mindset. Um, you know, we used to just do housing. Um, so um, really just, just get to know the actors. Um, we're a nice group of people. We share our thoughts, or Tom knows very well. <laughs> 
more vociferous than others. But um, the bottom line is we're all trying to get to the same place. We're trying to get these homes to to people at, at no more than 30% of their monthly income. And there's just a myriad of ways to get there. And um, um, our reporting requirements across the board could be more streamlined. I think the step of working with the state housing finance authorities on the reporting is really huge. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely steps in the right direction. Um, and the training opportunities, it sounds like Colorado does a great job of providing those. And I'm sure that the other states within our district do the same. So I would encourage our listeners to reach out and get involved anywhere that they can. And, and certainly utilize the Federal Home Loan Bank and our expertise. We have access to individuals like Jane. And of course, we have our own internal experts that are more than willing to help out and answer any questions that they can. And then I'd also just like to remind everybody that the Federal Home Loan Bank of Topeka is a cooperative and having access to these grant programs is a huge part of that. And it can help you and your customers and help build your community. So please take advantage of those where you can. I would just like to give a big thank you to Jane and Tom for sharing their expertise and helping us better understand the affordable housing landscape. There's a lot that goes into it. And I know I learned a bunch from this conversation. So seriously, thank you both for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Trent. Thank, thank you, Trent. Thank <laughs> yeah, thank you, Trent. Thank you, uh, Jane. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, thank you all for tuning in. We sincerely appreciate your support. We could not have this podcast and do this without you. That is all that we have for bank statements today, but please keep an eye out for our next episode. My name is Trent Meyer, and until next time. The Bank Statements Podcast is brought to you by the Federal Home Loan Bank of Topeka and our members, the community financial institutions in Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. To learn more about our cooperative and get the most out of your membership, reach out to your regional account manager or friendly lending staff at 800-809-2733.